0: You're listening to the Healthy Creative Ministry Podcast with Matt Curtis. This is the podcast that helps you take your creative ministry from wherever you are today to healthy and effective. Thank you so much for joining me this week on the Healthy Creative Ministry Podcast. This week, I'm going to be introducing what will become uh, sort of the new standard of content when it comes to the podcast. I think it's really easy for us as creatives or those serving in creative ministry to become enamored and really hyper-focused on the tactics and the strategies of what we're doing. And I think that there is value in understanding those things. We need to be good at those things. We need to grow in our ability to execute in those areas. But on the most fundamental level, there is a character requirement for those of us who are serving in ministry And I think it's important that we remember that in the context of the conversation around what a healthy creative ministry looks like. It's really easy for us to lose sight of the fact that this is in fact ministry when we are primarily spending our efforts and our energy on the tactical. So I'm going to be shifting the type of content that I produce and really looking a little bit more towards scripture as our guide when it comes to figuring out How it is that we should be. How is it that we should be behaving, acting, character stuff, um, who we are as Christ followers? Because what I have found is actually the seasons where the ministry that I've been participating in has been the most fruitful, it's actually very connected to how the organization, the, the staff members, how all of us were diligent in our focus on pursuing our relationships with Christ when we focused or leaned heavily on our own abilities, those were the seasons where ministry was not as fruitful. I mean, it's basically, it's as simple as that. And so what I want to encourage for you, as my goal is to help ministries, help churches build a healthy, creative ministry in their their ministry context, in their church, we have to acknowledge that this is a critical component. So today I want to talk about a portion of Psalm 95, And I want to use this as sort of the springboard for this type of conversation because I think it's a great place to start, but also with Thanksgiving coming this week in the United States, um, it's a perfect opportunity for for us to broaden our perspectives around thankfulness. And so even if you're listening outside the country, I love checking the analytics on the podcast and there are um, are people listening uh, all over the place, (laughs) which is super fun uh, to see that. Uh, But for those of you outside of the US, I don't want you to tune out just because it's sort of the American, you know, holiday of Thanksgiving kind of themed episode. But rather, I want to introduce you to the breadth of thankfulness. Like, what is the source of our thankfulness? Why is it that we should be thankful uh, in just in our lives in general? So I'm going to read the first, uh, let's see here, the first seven verses of Psalm 95. And I just want to talk a little bit about it. So here we go. Psalm 95, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the King above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth and the mountains peaks belong to him. The sea is his for he made it. And his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. I want to elevate this passage because I think sometimes when we're thankful, we think that that's sort of the end. <laughs> I was thankful. Hey, thanks for that. I appreciate it. But what I think is so powerful about what we see in, in this portion of Psalm 95, thankfulness is, is really just the beginning. And I think that's really what I want to get to here is that to be thankful isn't just to appreciate generally the things that the people around you do or to say thanks if somebody you know serves you at a restaurant. Thankfulness pushes us further than that. And so... I want to look a little bit at this idea of our response. You know, in Psalm 95, it really talks about worship. That's a big part of, of where this um, this kind of passage goes. In fact, this is often used as a passage to really unpack the heart of worship. And so it, it begins with an encouragement for us to approach the Lord with singing out of joy. It tells us to shout aloud. The approach uh, of, of thankfulness, really. And I think that's the, the part that I really want to drive home here is there is a thankfulness that we are supposed to approach God with uh, to extol or to praise enthusiastically with music and song. We see that in verses one and two. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. So this isn't to imply that this is this sort of um, exuberance is the only way to approach God in worship. There are plenty of other Psalms that describe us coming into God's presence differently, but really this is to encourage us to recognize that God is our rescuer and approach him as such. And so when we're thankful for things, there's a depth to that thankfulness there. And then in this instance here, as as we're thinking about God as our rescuer, there is an exuberant excitement and an overwhelmed thankfulness in which we come to worship him. And so when we're thinking about this idea of worshiping God, it's born out of thankfulness where we were without him, where we are because of him. He is our rescuer. And so we respond as such. Uh, In a commentary um, that includes Psalm 95, Derek Kidner says this of this approach, and I think this is a, uh, a powerful articulation of things. Like most of the verbs in this psalm, they are urged upon us as worshipers indeed we address one another to make sure that we rise to the occasion not drifting into his courts preoccupied and apathetic but it is not a forced cheerfulness this to me is particularly profound this idea of when we enter his courts we are not preoccupied and apathetic and i want to i want to encourage you as we think about thankfulness so much this week, uh, in the United States at least, I, I want to encourage you to not be preoccupied about your thankfulness. I want you to I wanna encourage you to not be apathetic about your thankfulness, but really be focused on it and, and lean into it. So the way I kind of think about this is this is really where we, we begin to see how our heart needs to be postured when it comes to worship. We need to acknowledge that God is our rescuer and our deliverer so that we can approach him as such. And so I think of that even in our day-to-day when we encounter opportunities for thankfulness. Are we really reflecting on a deeper level what that means to be thankful? If we don't have this perspective, this perspective that's being described in Psalm 95, it becomes a real struggle to approach him in worship. And so really the the heart of all of this is that thankfulness is a foundational and core element when it comes to worship. I'm a big fan of really paying attention to the things that are happening in your life and being thankful for them. Something that we do as a family, and I've mentioned this in the past on the podcast, but something that we do as a family is we will, every night before bed, before we're putting the kids to bed, we will discuss something that we're thankful for. And so we do something we're thankful for in terms of just our day. So I'm thankful that, uh, the weather has cooled down. I enjoy the colder weather. Great. So that's a thankful. And I'm thankful uh, for something about who God is. So I'm thankful that God is provider. I'm thankful that, in the case of this episode, even, I'm thankful that God is rescuer. Th- those practices are so important for us when it comes to our ability to walk into this, um, this space of worship, to approach God in worship. Because without that fundamental layer of thankfulness, we can't worship. It really is that simple. We can't worship. And so as, as the psalm continues, it's, it's amazing to me because God as rescuer is enough <laughs> for us you know, to be prompted to worship. But as if that wasn't enough, the psalmist continues to, to remind us just of the magnitude of, of who God is. Verse 3 now, so Psalm 95 verses 3 through 5, for the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Here we're reminded of this idea that the God who is inviting us to worship him is the great God. He is the king above all gods. This isn't just another of the pagan gods that the nations around surrounding Israel worshiped. This is the God that is above all things, the God whose hands hold the depths of the earth. This is the God that owns the mountain peaks. This is the God who made the sea. This is the God that forms the dry land with his own hands. Uh, There's a description here from Charles Spurgeon that I think is really powerful as well. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He bade the isles uprise their heads. He leveled the vast plains, upreared the the table lands, cast up the undulating hills and piled the massive Alps. As the potter molds his clay, so did Jehovah with his hands fashion the habitable parts of the earth. Come ye then... Who dwell on this fair world and worship Him who is conspicuous wherever ye tread. Count it all as the floor of a temple where the footprints of the present deity are visible before your eyes if ye do but care to see. The scope of God's creation is beyond our ability to understand, and it's everywhere. He owns it all. He created it all. Because of this, he is worthy to be praised. There's something so beautiful to me about this articulation from Spurgeon. I think anytime there's a quote that says like, ye and bade and those kinds of things, it always adds a little bit of uh, <laughs> kind of holidayness to it and uh, sentimentality. But there's something so incredible here about this idea of everywhere we go, we have evidence of the fact that God is, the beauty of what God created, the majesty of God. And I think it's easy for us in the midst of the tyranny of the urgent, the day-to-day, the urgency of the next request that comes in, for us to not be able to pause long enough to look around us. And I think that's a little bit of the tension that that I'm wrestling with in this space of what does it mean for a creative ministry to be healthy, if we are operating at a pace that is so far beyond our ability to pause and acknowledge, then it's going to be really hard for us to worship. And if we're not worshiping, then the work that we're creating is, is hollow. There's a, there's a shallowness to it. And there is a, a disconnection from the creator when we're you know doing the things that we're doing. To continue here quickly in verses six and seven, come, this is sort of our response come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Here we begin to see that the posture of our greeting is not the same posture as our ongoing worship. As we come to a deeper understanding of the majesty of God, our posture shifts. We're also reminded of another distinction about the God that calls us to worship. This God, unlike the gods of the surrounding nations, this God actually cares for his people. So these first seven verses, they really present us with a beautiful contrast. We are being invited to worship the God who has rescued us, the God who is king above all gods, the God who holds the depths of the earth in his hands, the God who owns the mountain peaks, the God who made the sea the God that forms the dry land with his own hands. This God who is so overwhelmingly good, he cares for us. We are the people of his pasture. We are the flock under his care. This God delights in fellowship with his people. I I really wanted to bring this up in the midst of this season in particular. Yes, Thanksgiving. We're, We're thankful. That's great. Pass me the gravy. But I want to go beyond that because for many who are serving in creative ministry, this season is really one of the biggest um, tension points in our year. As we lead up to Christmas, there's this burden that we have to be perfect. And there's a burden that we have to add the right bells and whistles to our services. There is a, a tension and a pressure that if we mess up, we're going to ruin somebody's Christmas or we're going to do something that is catastrophically negative to the the holiday celebrations of the people in our congregation. And I really want to lean into challenging that here because what we are doing in the season of Christmas, we are presenting the birth of Christ, the Savior of humanity. But I I want to kind of pull back and, and connect this to Psalm 95 a little bit. This is... This is the God who loves us. This is the author of our salvation. This is the God who in his hands are the depths of the earth. This is the God who owns the mountain peaks. This is the God who, the sea, it's his. He made it. This is the God who formed the dry land with his hands. This is what we are inviting people to experience, to encounter, to be introduced to. We are in our approach to Christmas we are inviting a lost world to be introduced to the God that is worthy of our praise, that deserves to be worshipped. And we are reminding those of us who are found that this is our God, that we worship the God who created the world, that we worship the God who is our rescuer. We have so much to, as verse 2 says, to come before him with thanksgiving about. There are so many things that he has done for us that should prompt us to worship, that should prompt us to praise him, and it's born out of our thankfulness. And so my encouragement to you as, as we go to scripture here, and as we really uh, kind of dig into what God's word has to say for us about this idea of, yes, worshiping God, but this fundamental principle here of come to him with thanksgiving. I want to encourage you to take the time that you need in order to cultivate thankfulness in your heart. We are not thankful by default. We are not thankful the more time we spend on social media. I know that for sure. We are not thankful just as a natural state. It takes intentionality. And in a lot of cases, it takes reminding us of God's word and what the truth of God's word has to say, the truth about who God is, our, our salvation, he has our rescuer. Those are very profound and um, inspiring things that should move us to worship and to be thankful. But sometimes as we move at a pace in our, in our day jobs in creative um, ministry, sometimes the pace overtakes our ability to pause and be thankful. And I want to encourage you to to be intentional this season, particularly as we're focusing on thankfulness. I want to encourage you to take the time that you need in order to see the things that you're thankful for this season. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Healthy Creative Ministry Podcast. This podcast is just one of the ways Lunchtime Heroes can help you build a healthy creative ministry in your church. Stay up to date on the latest by signing up for the Creative Bites email at lunchtimeheroes.co.